I pray that all the chaos in our lives would just settle in the name of Jesus. And that all that would, that would remain would be your word. And I just pray that even just, um, that yeah, just your voice would just resound and whatever you want to tell people would resound, whether that's through me or through small group or however you want it to be. God, we just, um, we leave this time in your hands and we submit our will to yours. In your name, amen. Okay, what's this? Candy. Okay, the first question, what is the series we've been doing? Okay, Charlie, you've never been, you haven't even been here. What? Okay, next question, what do Isaac and I do every year? Well, every year at this time of year with the youth group. Concerning this, concerning preaching. What do we always do? I have been calendar. No. Snatcher. Look at her face. You... Okay, S, every year, why, you guys just keep your hands up just in case? Okay, (laughs) next question is, did anybody bring a paper Bible? Paper Bible. Jonathan! (laughs) I tried. Okay, nice, paper Bible. Do you have a paper Bible? What, What book were you reading? Was it a Bible? Okay. Whose Bible is that? I don't believe you. This is it's Shay's, isn't it? It's Shay Lynn's. Okay, show me your Bible. Where's your Bible? Where is it? No, no. Paper Bible. I was like, I know that's Shay Lynn's Bible, Jada. Anybody else have a paper Bible? Tenders? Wait, where's your Bible? Show me. No, you can't just use Isaac's again. It's already been used for candy. No, that doesn't count. Paper Bible. I said paper Bible. Paper Bible only. Okay, last opportunity I have for you is you can bring your phone and stick it right here for a piece of candy. Anything without caramel. Anything without caramel. Okay, just pick one. Make it quick though, okay? No, no, no. Okay, here's the deal. This is how this is going to go. Pick one. Hey, I saw two. Get out of here. I'm no dummy. I'm no dummy. No, one. One. No. One. One. Okay, go. She took two. You guys, this is the honor system. Be honorable. What about people who didn't bring phones? Yes, they can, cut, they can get one. If you did not bring a phone, you can also, no, no, whose was that? Absolutely not. No, you can't bring somebody else's phone up. I'll give it to her. Will you? Yes, I promise okay. you. I want a Snickers. No. I, I turned mine in. Fine, but you grabbed like three. Yeah, exactly. Grab one. Okay, all right. Now I don't wanna hear a single peep out of you fools. 
Fine. Last one. Get out of here. What? No, no switching. It's over. What? No. <laughs> All right. Now we're about to start this business, okay? Every year, everybody, settle in. You got your candy. Now focus in on the one who gave you the candy, okay? So every year at this time of year, Isaac and I do a two-part series concerning something around Christmas. And we've done things in the past. We've done people. We've done concepts. And this year, I don't even know what it is. I think it's probably just my way, but only Christmas version. So we're just going to dive in. And today, I really wanted to talk to you guys about the mess in our lives. And I'm not talking about messes that we get ourselves in, like I brought this upon myself, I stepped in crap, and, you know, I did that on purpose, like a fool. <laughs> I'm not talking about things that we do to ourselves on purpose, like situations that we get ourselves in because we were just dumb. I'm talking about situations that happen to us. And I really felt when I was preparing for tonight, and I've been preparing for this night for a while, but I didn't start studying until this week, but something I really felt like dropped in my heart a long time ago is that this night I really wanted to talk to people who are going through real pain in their lives and real situations that have been, hey girls, say hi to the girls. Hi girls. Okay, now sit down and well, that's Jada's wife, I thought. Okay. Okay, listen, girls, if this is going to be a problem, we're going to have to split you up, okay? So don't make us the bad guys. Be the good guys. Okay, okay, focus in, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Right now, focus in, girls. Okay, I really felt like tonight we'd be facing pain in our lives. And um, I really felt like there were a lot of people who are going to be coming tonight who have a lot of pain for things that they can't control, things in their lives that haven't gone as planned, way, things that have happened to you that you couldn't really control. And um, um, have you guys ever heard that God's timing is perfect? Have you guys ever heard that before? Have you guys ever heard that, you know, oftentimes people will use that term when they're like in a season of waiting or in a season of waiting for a promise. They'll be like, don't worry, guys. God's timing is perfect. You know, it'll, don't worry because God will work it out perfectly. You'll know it's God. You'll know it's God because everything just works together perfectly. Well, I don't, I don't want to say that that never happens because it does happen sometimes. Sometimes things do, like, perfectly work together, and it's beautiful. But I, I do want to say that I don't think that that's the word for tonight. So I have these words running through my mind all the time when I feel like I'm waiting for something, this idea of it'll be perfect. When, when God does it, it's perfect. But um, what if it's not? Hey, Avery, what if when things come, what if it's not perfect? What if when you're waiting for the promise and when you've waited for something, what if you get to the end and it's not perfect? And I think that that's really where I wanted to land tonight. How do we navigate mess? How do we navigate 
when God's timing is really messy and when it doesn't look perfect when it comes. So let's go ahead and dive into the Christmas story. And I really wanted to take a look and a little snapshot to see how Mary navigated the stress of a really messy promise. That's really where I kind of want to land. So I'm just going to start by just kind of talking about Luke 1 and 2, because let's be honest, they're really long. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I just wanted to start by reading it. So the story starts, and I'm not going to talk about um, her cousin. I'm not going to talk about John the Baptist. I'm only going to focus on Mary's story with Jesus, that whole aspect. Hey, girls, do I need to get somebody to be in the front here? Listen, you guys are really responsible people. I need you to act responsibly, okay? I love you. Okay, so I want to start with talking about Mary. So if you guys wanted to go, if you guys had a paper Bible and you wanted to, you could go to uh, Luke 1. So basically it starts with Mary. She's just chilling. She's a teenager, and an angel comes to her, as you all have heard a million times, and the angel is like, you'll marry. You're about to be a birth of the Savior. And she's like, how's that supposed to happen? I've never had sex before. And he says, well, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to come inside you, and you're going to have a miracle, miraculous birth. And she's like, cool, cool. See you later. And the angel leaves, and here she is. So she goes to Elizabeth, hangs out with Elizabeth for a while, and then comes back. And when she comes back, Starting in chapter 2, it talks about how that's kind of where things started to get really messy for her. I mean, let's be honest. She wasn't really set up to win theoretically in general because she was a virgin. But, um, but things really got messy in chapter 2. So, um, in chapter 2, it starts off with she just got back from hanging out with Elizabeth, and Elizabeth gave birth to John, and it turns out that there was a census. A census is basically where they wanted to keep track and keep a number count on all the people who lived there, and so everybody was told to go back to their family line to get counted. And because Mary was engaged to Joseph, Joseph was originally from Nazareth. So because his family's from there, they had to travel there, so they did. Well, she was freaking large and in charge. So they head over there, and once they get there, the place is packed because of the census, right? It's not just like a normal day. It's like, say, everybody that was originally from Montana had to go to Billings to get counted. That's a lot of freaking people, and that's a lot of people in that city. So just like anything that you, you know, like anything that you would go to that has a big, like, say the playoffs, and everybody is at the playoffs, and it's huge, and there's no hotels. That's basically what happened to Mary and Joseph. And while they're out there looking for a spot to, to just sleep, it turns out that she's like, yo, dog, I'm about to have this baby. So she does. She has this baby in a barn or in a cave. Nobody really knows. It's debate on that. But either way, she has the baby with a bunch of animals, sicko, in the floor of a barn or wherever animals were sleeping with poop, and she lays the baby in a manger, in a trough, a feeding trough. And so I was thinking about this this year. I've been thinking about this for about a month, is this idea that imagine you are Father God, the God of the universe. Wouldn't you at least, if you were going to pick a way for your son to be born, 
into the world to save everybody's sins, wouldn't you at least provide somewhere for him to stay? I mean, the dude didn't even have a hotel. There was literally nothing when Jesus was born. He had literally, he's born in the middle of freaking nowhere. Imagine somebody has, everything's full and they go up to like Delmo and give birth. Like, what is that? (laughs) Imagine you're the God of the universe and Jesus was born in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of animals. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I have personally given birth three times. (laughs) Weird. Now, I will tell you, any parent who has a child, you are researching for months before you give birth where you're going to have this baby, how you're going to have this baby, what you're going to do with this baby. Do you want a home birth? Do you want to have it in the water? You can have your baby in a bathtub. You can have a C-section. You can have, you know, a normal vaginal birth with pain meds. There's so many different things you can do, and you're talking about it with your spouse for, like, a long time, through your whole pregnancy. Jonathan, come on, man, with the phone. (laughs) So you're talking to your spouse the whole time. And so I know what it is like to have a son or a daughter be born, but I do not. Something in me is like, how did Jesus, God's son, not have somewhere to sleep? And it really got me thinking. God's in the mess, right? Did you guys know that God is in your mess? Did you know that God was in Mary's mess? And that's really what I wanted to talk about tonight. And I wanted to talk about how while we're in that mess, it is possible for us to navigate well. I don't know about you guys, but I really want to navigate like Mary and Joseph when I'm in a mess. I want to navigate like them because when you look at the story, you don't see Mary complaining. You don't see her crying out in anger towards God, but she was in a real big mess, right? Hello? Thank you. She was in a mess. So I want to learn to navigate well like her. So I wanted to first start with Luke 137. And I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to read it in a different way, too. It says, For nothing is impossible with God. This is the angel talking to Mary, and he's talking about how she's going to give birth. And he says, for nothing is impossible with God. And another way that that can be translated is that no word from God will ever fail. So this is the first thing. If you want to navigate well like Mary and Joseph, you need to know something. That no word from God will ever fail. Um, Psalm 18, verse 30 Let me just go real quick. Psalm 18, verse 30 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for those who take refuge in him. It also can be translated that the word of the Lord has been tested and has been proven true. That's what that word means. So, The word of the Lord has been tested 
and it does not fail. That's basically what that means. So that's the question here. If the word of God does not fail, then this is the, this is the key that Mary found. The word of the Lord came to her. The angel came to her and told her the word of the Lord. So you're faced with two options when the word of the Lord comes and, and God tells you something. And I'm not talking about the type of word of the Lord that's like the general truths of the Bible, although that is true. I'm talking about a promise from God. I'm talking about the rhema word of God. There's a couple different translations for the word word in the Bible, but I'm talking about the rhema word, the, the word that is life-giving, that gives you life in the Bible. So the question is, when you're faced with that, you can do one of two things. You can either say, I don't believe that word, or I actually don't know if that's true, or you can believe the word because the word of the Lord is true. And this is something that I really want you guys to get, okay? How much do you, now think about yourself, how much do you depend on God's word? His rhema word, his word to you. How much do you depend on that? Okay, I'm just going to give you a couple things that God's word is. That's written in the Bible. God's word is sharp, steady, a rock, a strong tower. Who doesn't want a strong tower? Perfect, revives the soul, a light to my path, wonderful. The word of God is Jesus. So how much does what God says impact you? How much does it impact you? How much do you value his voice? Because here's the thing. Okay, I want you guys to look at me in my eyes. Everybody look at me in my eyes. Thank you, Mackenzie. I see your eyes. I love them so much. Okay, I want you guys to look at my eyes. The voices that shape our lives are the voices that hold value in our lives. Okay, so let me break that down for you. The voices that shape your lives. So did you know that the voices that you value in your life are the, those are the voices who will shape who you'll become. Do you guys know that? The more, okay, so how many of you know that if Isaac tells me you're stupid, it holds entirely different value than if Zeke were to say I'm stupid? Because <laughs> how much does, how much do I allow Zeke to shape what I think about myself? Probably about this much, a little bit. I'll give you this much. But how much do you think that Isaac holds value in my life? <laughs> Ellie's like, <laughs> Isaac's, Isaac's voice in my life means so much to me. Why does it mean so much to me? Because I love him so much and because we have a relationship. But here's the deal. The voice of Isaac in my life shapes who I become. Okay, I want you guys to really understand that. The voices that you listen to matter. And you can tell because you become like the people who you're listening to. So who are you listening to? Okay, thank you. Um, okay, no, I'm not giving you candy right now. You missed the candy, bro. Um, does the voices in your life look like friends who are bad influences? Does the people who hold influence in your life and just really want them to like you be your older siblings who are really cool in school? 
does the people who have the voice in your life to shape your life, is it Anna? It matters, right? Because who we value shapes who we become. And so here's the question. Do you value him? Do you value God's word in your life? Because if you value him, if you value his word, do you know what you'll become? You'll become sharp, steady, a rock, a strong tower, reviving the soul, a light to people's path. Wonderful. You'll become like Jesus. Do you realize that you'll become like this if you value it? That's the reality. If you wonder why your life doesn't look like this, maybe it's because you don't value it. If you really value the voice of God in your life, you will become like him. That's just the way it works. That's how we're wired. Isaac and I talk like each other. Our kids talk like us because we value each other's voices in our lives. And that's just the science behind it is for real there. I didn't do much studying, so I can't tell you the reality of how much science, but it's there. And it's because I see it in you guys. I see it in how you guys feel about each other. I see it in if you're isolated. That means that you're so lonely and you feel like you have no voices speaking into you. It matters. It matters. God's voice in Mary's life meant everything to her. It meant everything to her. There was nothing she wouldn't do to be close to God. That voice led her to all different sorts of places. So that's the question. Do you really value his voice in your life? So the next thing, so that's the first thing that I want you guys to get, how we can navigate well while we're going through pain and while we're going through mess. So the next thing on how we can navigate well through mess, um, I wanted to share Luke 1.45. So that's just a couple verses over if you're reading Luke with me. Okay. Luke 1.45 says, Blessed is she who believed, blessed is she who believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So I want you guys to understand this. Let me say it again. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. The next thing I want you guys to grab onto is this. Mary had a belief. She really believed. And she didn't believe in just the promise, but it says that she, it says that she believed that he who has promised her will be faithful to accomplish it. Okay. Hebrews 10.23 says that he who is promised is faithful. I want to propose something tonight. The promise is not faithful. The promiser is the one that is faithful. It is not the promise itself that you can rely on, that you can believe in, that you can put your trust or your faith in. There is no power in that. 
The one who has promised is faithful. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about is that. Humanity has a history of caring for the promises more than the promiser. We care so much about the promises of God, especially in the church. We care so much about the promises of God. But the way that we care about the promises of God versus the way that we care about the promiser is just, it's unbalanced. We put all of our faith, all of our trust in the promises instead of the promiser. And it leaves us shipwrecked in our faith a lot of the time. Genesis 15.1 says, and this is God talking to Abraham. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. This is before he was Abraham. Yeah. Hey, I didn't realize you were talking. Am I talking or are you talking? No, it's me talking. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Genesis 15.1 is God talking to Abraham. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. This is something that I really feel like tonight. And this is why I think that Mary got it. Mary did not put her hope in the promise. She put her hope in the promiser. And that is why she was able to make it. So many times in our lives, God gives us a promise. And we romanticize the promise. We can say, God has promised me this. And we can put all of our stock in it. And it leaves us in pain. Because let's be honest, a lot of the times promises happen but they don't happen the way that we want them to. It happened with David, the way that he became king. It happened with Mary when she had Jesus. It happens to me, it happens to all of us who's been given a promise by God. If we do not put our faith and our stock in the promiser, it leaves us shipwrecked. It leaves us shipwrecked every time. You can really tell how easily you care about the promise more than the promiser because of what happens when you get to the promise. When the Israelites got to the promised land, they saw giants, and they got scared and they ran away. When David got to the promise, he was saddened because the king had died. It's not the way he wanted the promise. There are so many times that when we get to the promise, what comes with it, we did not imagine, and we did not want that. And that's how you can tell whether your faith was in the promise or the promiser is because of what happens when you get to the promised land. Does this make sense to you guys? Are you guys hearing me? You guys hearing me? Okay. So I want to tell you a story, and then I'm going to end it with a couple more verses. But I wanted to talk to you about my own pain that I've gone through because of promises that have been fulfilled. So when Isaac and I got here, we were left with a mess. But something more recently that has happened is Isaac and I were praying for a while to get another car. We have had one car for a long time, and it's been pretty hard to have just one car. And recently, this car has been giving us a lot of troubles. A lot of troubles. A lot of people from our young adult ministry have had problems with cars, and we have not been exempt from that. And it has been painful because when you go from having one car with a full family to zero cars with a full family, that's impossible. And so we have been praying for a while about another car. 
and being like, God, you really got to provide another car for us because we do not have one, and we really felt like it was coming. So we talked to, um, what's his name, Jim Cross, and we were like, keep an eye out for like a smaller car because we really don't want a minivan. I hate minivans. A truck would be okay as long as it's a smaller truck. It kind of needs to get better gas mileage. It'd be really nice to have a nicer car than ours, like newer. Um, and then my grandpa died. And when my grandpa died, we got his car. So here's the deal. It's okay. Everybody responds to uncomfortable situations differently. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's the, I understand. Yeah, so here's the deal. God answered my prayer. Hey, here's what I want you guys to understand. God answered my prayer. We have a new car now. And the promise of God has been fulfilled in our lives. But if I would have put all my stock in the promise of God instead of the promiser, the way that it came was not the way I wanted it to come. The way that it came was because my grandpa passed away. And he is my last living grandparent. And that really sucks. So where do you put your stock? Because the reason why Mary was able to navigate her mess so well, the reason why Joseph was able to navigate his mess so well is because they did not put any stock in the promise. They put all of their stock in God. So I wanted to read Psalm 16, 28, 28 and 8. 28, verse 28 and verse 8. You don't have to put it up there if you don't want. I'm just going to read it quick. Don't tell me. Oh, two and eight, sorry. Okay. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. And the next verse says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will never be shaken. I want us to get to the point, you guys, where we can say this for our lives. Following God because of the promises he gives. Following God because you want to be a good person. Following God because you want your life to go well. It's not the stuff. That's not why we follow God here. If that's why you came here, I don't know what to tell you. Because the church of Acts was a crapshoot. That's not why we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus because he is our life. and Because once you've tasted how sweet his love is to you, it doesn't matter. Nothing else matters. And if you've never experienced that, I strongly suggest you talk very seriously to a leader tonight. Because once you've tasted of the goodness of God, nothing else matters. And you say, screw it. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere that you want me to go. So the next, last thing I wanted to read is Psalm 73. Sorry, I like a Bible like this. I don't really like looking it up on my phone. So you guys are just going to have to bear with me while I find it. Yes, exactly. Okay. Okay, you guys ready? So this is in the middle of David 
being like, okay, so this is what's happening in the psalm. Just to give a little backstory. David is seeing a bunch of people who live really crappy lives and who are a bunch of jerks succeed. And he's like, why the heck are all these people successful and I'm over here rotting away? It does not seem fair. I have done nothing to deserve this mess that I'm in. Who can relate with that? Who can relate with that? I have done nothing to deserve this mess, yet here I am, and I see all these really crappy people being successful in their lives. That's where David is coming with from in this verse. But he resolves to this. This is what he says. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And I just want us to get to the point to where he is our portion, where he is enough. Being with him should be more than enough for us. We should not need our lives to go well. We should not require him and hold his arm, strong arm him into being fulfilling of all of his promises towards us. That's not for us to do, but I want us to get to the point. I want me to get to the point to where he is my portion. I don't want anything else but him. And I think that that's really the key to what Mary found. So I wanted to say one last thing. When we were in worship, um, I was going to end with just that. But when we were in worship, I really felt like God dropped something in my heart. How many of you guys feel like God has given you a promise or he's given you something And you feel like, where the heck are you, God? Where are you? Because this is the big thing I want to land on. This this is something that I felt like during worship he, he gave me. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, what is this proverb you have in the land of Israel? The days go by and every vision comes to nothing. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am going to put an end to this proverb, and they will no longer quote it in Israel. Say to them, the days are near when every vision will be fulfilled, and there will be no more false visions or flattering divinations among the people of Israel. But I, the Lord, will speak what I will, and it shall be fulfilled without delay. For in your days, you rebellious house, I will fulfill whatever I say, declares the sovereign Lord. So basically he's saying like this. There was a saying in Israel at this time that was the days go by and every vision comes to nothing. And that's how we feel sometimes, right? All of the visions, all of the things that you've given me have come to nothing. And so in, in this time in Israel's history, that was the saying. Isn't that a stu- stupid saying? All of the visions come to nothing. Like how depressing of a time that that's how they feel. But that's how we feel sometimes, right? All of your visions have come to nothing. Where's all those promises, God? We can strong arm God and be like, where the heck have you been? But he says this, the days are near when every single vision will be fulfilled. And I feel like that's his word for us tonight. He is faithful. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you felt that. But this is the thing, even in a time where you feel so depressed and you feel like the days are long and you feel like every single vision 
has not been fulfilled, and I feel so pained for holding on to this. But the days are coming, you guys. I really feel this in my spirit. The days are coming where every one of his promises will be fulfilled. But the question is, are you going to believe him in a season where it's hard, in a season when there's sacrifice, in a season where you're never going to get this opportunity again to believe him when it seemed impossible? Because the word of God always comes to pass. It always comes to pass. And so I just wanted to end with saying, if you feel like you're struggling and you feel like you, you just feel hopeless, like where are you in all this pain? You're not crazy for believing him. And even if your circumstances say you're crazy, you're not crazy for believing him. And you need to hold on to those promises because he's going to fulfill them. He is going to fulfill them. And you just watch and wait and you stay soft and in love with him and it will be fulfilled. So I just wanted to pray us out and then I'm going to have the leaders come up. God, I just thank you so much that you are good. I thank you so much that, you know, we don't deserve this great love and this great mercy and this great faithfulness that you've given us. You are just so faithful, God. You are, you are exactly who you say you are. You're not a liar. And even when it feels like everything around us is saying that you're a liar, your voice, your soft, gentle voice is strong enough to drown out all of that. God, we follow the softness, the tenderness. We follow your gentleness because it's the only thing that sets us free. That love is the only thing that keeps us in this life grounded. It keeps us grounded. Your love is the, is the strong tower. You, it is everything that you said it was. And we trust you. And God, I just pray that you would give us opportunities to see it more that you would give us opportunities to see your faithfulness. And God, I pray that you would strengthen our faith. In your name, amen.